We're continuing the Shir and Likut Halachas. Orachaim, Chelek Aleph, Hilchais Netilas Yedayim Shachris, Halacha Dalit, Paragraph Yud Aleph. Ranosan Zal says, based on what we've been learning till now, you'll be able to understand Vezeh Lushen Mitzvah. Based on what we've been learning, you'll understand what the word Mitzvah actually means. Shehu Lushen Hishabrus. Mitzvah means to be attached. Miloshin tzivsa v'chibur. In Aramaic and in Hebrew, the word tzivsa chada means one unit. Things that are connected, attached to each other. Why? Kalide kol mitzvah u mitzvah. Mi mitzvah is hatoira. Mitzavsin u mekashrin u mechabrin oir hazricha shel harishimu el klei hamoichin. Because through each and every single mitzvah that a Jew performs, you attach the light that remained, and we'll explain this soon, to your brain. In the chapter on Likut Imran that we're dealing with, Rabbi Nazal speaks about a very important concept. He says, this world, the physical world that we're in, is a place of good and bad. The Gemara says that. The Gemara says in Pesachim that there's a pasuk, on that day, in the future, Hashem is going to be one, and his name is going to be one. So the Gemara asks, and now he's not one? The Gemara says, yeah, now he's not one. Because in this world, when something good happens, we make a bracha tova meitiv. When something bad happens, a tragedy strikes, we make a bracha dayan ho'emes. So that in this world, we see two sides to Hashem kaviochal. But the Gemara says, in the future, but in the future, by Yom Ha'hu, it's going to be all one, all hatoi v'ameitiv. It's going to be all good. And the explanation for that is twofold. Number one, there will not be any bad. Number two, not only that, but in the next world, we'll be able to understand completely how what we perceived as being bad in this world wasn't really bad. It was all good. Example that we give always person has a terrible, terrible illness, an infection going on, which if, if the person just leaves things alone, they'll be dead in a few days. A doctor comes along with a scalpel and he says, this is going to hurt, and it's going to take you two weeks to recover from this operation, and then it's going to take medication, and, and you run, there's risks involved in the operation, but we might succeed in saving your life. We might go in there and clean out the infection and this is an example of something where somebody who isn't educated, they don't see what's going on, they see a guy being wheeled into this huge building, fancy building with all kinds of machinery, they see a doctor there with his knife and he's about to cut the person up, the guy says, we're in the wrong place. We want a candy store, not a butcher shop. We, we, this guy wants to enjoy life, he doesn't want to lose out on life. And the person says, no, 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 you don't understand. This is a healing, this is to save, this is to help the person, not to hurt him in any way. Lahavdil, the Torah tells us that depending on what level das you're on, a person can perceive things happening to them or things that, that are going on as being bad, terrible. And then when a person gets to a higher level of das, they realize that it's, it's really to their benefit. An example, a person's in school taking very difficult courses and, and harder tests and killing themselves, staying up all night sometimes to study for a particular test, which is like the most important test. And somebody hears about this and says, like, are you nuts? Are you crazy? Who, what normal person would torture themselves like this? 
I'm saying, you know, you know how long you're going to live? The person says, no, you don't understand. If I pass this test, I become a doctor or I become a lawyer, and the rest of my life will be a thousand times easier than other people who haven't gone through this education, who haven't passed this test, that kind of thing. So a person knows it's worth being mashkia. These are examples of cases where something that seems terrible, difficult, and on the contrary, if you understand what's going on, you understand that there's nothing terrible and difficult about it. It's really a great thing when you look at the big picture. So Rabbi Nachman explains, when people are going through major suffering and struggle in this world, one of the ways that a person can escape it and be able to handle it much better is if the person could leave this world, in a sense, and tap into the next world where everything is good. In this world, there's good and bad. There's pain, suffering. But if, if a person could go out of this world temporarily and tap into the next world, over there, it's all good. <clears throat> How do you do that? And he explains that just like on a physical level, when a person wants to be able to see, a person looks with their regular vision, they can see so far. A person wants to see further than that, what do they do? They squint. By closing the opening of the eye, it allows you to see even further than when the eye is open regular. Because by, by narrowing the opening of the eye, you're, letting the, you're, you're forcing the vision to be more concentrated, less dispersed. It doesn't get weakened when the eye moves out you know, to, to a mile, a few miles out. Rabbi Nachman says, let's take this a step further. If a person wants to be able to see really far, to be able to see out of this world, to be able to see to that place which is kul the person has to close their eyes completely to the physical world. Close their eyes and not just close it, but clench it, close it tightly shut. And when a person does that, that transports their brain, their neshama, to a different place, to a place where it's kul it's all good. And he brings proof to this from the Zohar Kodesh, other places. And he says, interestingly, this is why Hashem has put it into the nature of a human being. That when a person's about to experience anything very painful, a person's in a dentist chair, and the guy says, if you think what I've been doing till now is hurting, this is nothing. The next three minutes are going to be among the most interesting three minutes in your life. So get ready. Person, the guy's taking that drill and he's going to be doing serious drilling. He says, get ready. What does the person do? They close their eyes tightly shut. Why? Rabbi Nachman explains, because by doing that, closing your eyes to the physical world, you allow your neshama, you allow your essence to go beyond that, go past that to a place which is kulaitoiv, and that eases the pain. Sometimes it removes the pain totally, and sometimes the minimum that it does is it makes it easier to handle what you're going through person would say, that's a great idea. I guess I'm going to live the rest of my life with my eyes closed. Not an option. That's only a temporary high. A person can only do it for a limited period of time. The person must come back, and when the person comes back down, Rabbi Nachman writes, sometimes the problems and the pain is even worse than when they left. And he teaches us over there in the Kutimran how to address that. He says, if the person brings Torah down with them, new Torah, that Torah is a shield and a weapon like to ward off the new wave of pain or suffering or whatever it is, the difficulty that the person is going to be going through. 
So now, when the person goes up to that very high place, that's called bitu. That process of negating the physical world, blocking out the physical world completely, unplugging yourself from the physical world and going beyond it, that's called bitu. A person nullifies to the Ein Soif, to the infinite light of Hashem. Ein Soif is a term that's used to describe Hashem in a, in a very high way. When a person comes back, when a person leaves there, because you have to leave there, you can't stay there, you still retain a little bit of it. That part that you retain is called the Rishimu. Rishimu means like an imprint. The imprint that's left on the person, like a person who's, doing, who's bathing in the sun. While they're bathing in the sun, they're feeling all of that high intense heat. They're sitting in the sun for an hour or two. They come out of the sun. The sun is no longer there. They're in a house now. There's no sun. But their body has turned red, and, and you feel some of that heat on the skin. Lahavdil, here also, when a person comes down from this spiritual high, they retain a reshimu from it, an imprint from it. And what Rav Nosenzal is telling us here is that the word mitzvah, which means attachment to be attached, he says the reason why that's the term that's used regarding the Torah is because one of the purposes of every mitzvah we do is to attach that light, to hold on to it, not, not to let it be lost from the person completely. Every mitzvah we do assists us in being able to hold on to that oyer zerichu shalimu in our brains, in our minds. Through this, we're attached to Hashem in a very deep way. So that's mitzvah. Mitzvah, one of the functions of a mitzvah, whether it's the mitzvah of tzitzis, whether it's the mitzvah of lulav and esrig, we're going to do a sukkah is, to help the person hold on to, retain that reshimu that they were left with when they came back from that high. Whereas avera, ulehepech, avera chas the opposite of a mitzvah, which is called an avera, transgression, huloshin cholaf va'ovar, the word la'avur means to pass, to pass, to leave. Shalidei hu'avera chas v'shon cholef v'oivre mimenu oir harishimu azois. Every avera that a person does causes that rishimu to leave, causes a little more of that stuff, that high, that spirituality that the person was able to connect to, to leave the person chas v'shon. Yalkeim, and this will also explain why the Gemara tells us mitzvah goyreres mitzvah varveiro goyreres avero that each mitzvah brings with it more mitzvahs. It's like they're chained together, they're links on a chain and an avero is goyreres avero. Ki al yidei ha-mitzvah mekashrin u-mechabrin liatzmoi oir hazrichu shelor shimonam because through the mitzvah the person binds and attaches to himself that light of the Rishimu, through which the person is attached to and dovuk to Hashem. And once a person is attached to Hashem, through that, he's drawing upon himself all the time the holy light of other mitzvahs. And he's to fulfill those mitzvahs also. Because all the mitzvahs come from upstairs, from up there, from that infinite light of Hashem. 
we had learned earlier that the Torah is a step down. Most people who speak to about Yiddishkeit, you ask them, is there anything higher than the Torah? And they'll say, no, of course not. The Torah is Hashem. The Zohar Kodesh makes a statement, Hashem, the Torah, and the Jewish people are one. So if the Torah and Hashem are one, could there be anything higher? And the answer is, everything is relative, depending on what you're talking about. Because even when we speak about Hashem himself, there are levels within Hashem. There's a term that's used, for example, there's a Pasuk, which we read in the Haftorah, where it says, Uverachamim gedoilim akabtzech. Hashem says, with my great rachamim, I will gather the Jews in from exile. So the Zerokodesh says, look at this. We see that by Hashem, there isn't just rachamim. There's rachamim gedoilim, and there's rachamim ktanim. There's regular, standard rachmonis, and then there's nuclear rachmonis. There's extraordinary rachmonis. And we know that that's the case also when you're dealing with people. Sometimes you have a person who's a charity case. They need $50, they need $100. You get another person who needs a whole new life. They need a place to live. They need you know, different levels completely. And Kaviochel, when a person is trying to access Hashem Kaviochel, a person who knows this information knows, depending on what kind of situation, what kind of timing, that there are certain times when we have the opportunity to access this higher level Rachman. For example, on a holiday, on a Yantif, we say the Yud Gimit, we take out the Torah. On a Shabbos, we take out the Torah, we say Brich Shmeidor Mori On Yantif, when we take out the Torah, we say Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Rachum, Nechanun, because times are different, places are different, people are different. All are different in terms of what, what different levels you can access. So here he's telling us that, ah, I was saying about the Torah, that Kaviochel, even the Torah, receives its light from this Oyer Ein Soiv. Because there are higher and higher levels. The Torah is a certain shape and form. The Torah is in the form of psukim, so many chumashim, so many books, so many pages, so many lines, so many words. The Torah is Hashem's light within a certain constriction, within certain boundaries. Above the Torah is what's called Kaviyuchu, the Or Ein Soif, Hashem's infinite light, which is on so high a level that it hasn't been put into any boundaries at all whatsoever yet. And the Torah comes from that Ein Soif, from that higher place. And again, throughout the learning, we're going to see how these things interact, how it works, and how it relates to us. So he tells us, Ki kol Because all the mitzvahs come from there. They come from that very high place. And the same thing is true in the opposite way regarding an Avera. Because the main holiness of the Jewish people is to try to achieve the goal that we mentioned earlier, which is to attach ourselves and to become part of Hashem's infinite light through the Torah and mitzvahs, the Torah and mitzvahs, which are a product 
of that remaining light that one, one receives when going up to that very high place. The part of that light that remains with them, that they can retain. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu. It says Moshe Rabbeinu went up to heaven, right? He was in heaven for 40 days and 40 nights. And he studied all kinds of things. He came down to the world. What he brought back down to us was the Torah in the shape and form that we have it. The Torah in the shape and form that we have it isn't necessarily everything that Moshe Rabbeinu saw and connected to up there. Could be there were even higher levels. But what Moshe Rabbeinu was given permission to bring down to this earth and for us Jews, human beings, to be able to, what can give us the connection to Hashem is the Tariyat Mitzvah, the Torah, in the shape and form that we have it. And now he says, Ashrei hamishtadel becholeis lahamshich alatzmoi oyer hazricho hazois. Fortunate is the Jew who tries all the time to draw upon himself this light. Ashrei loy, how fortunate he is. Vahabechira chavshis bechol adam. Every single person has free choice. They're free to choose. Ki bechol, and here he makes it perfectly clear. I mentioned this in a previous year that there are certain times that Rabbi Nachman and other tzaddikim speak about very high levels of kedusha, and a person reading those spawn gets the impression that this chapter is, is just for the big, big, big tzaddikim. This has nothing to do with me. And Rabbi Nelson Zal makes it perfectly clear that there is nothing that Rabbi Nachman wrote, even when he writes about very, very great tzaddikim, that does not apply to each and every one of us on our level. On our level, each one is different. Each one, according to the level that he's on, has the ability to relate to everything that's been written, even for the greatest tzaddikim. And here he's going to explain. Because this light that we're talking about here, after a person made that high-level connection, he closed his eyes or he experienced a Shabbos. We gave different examples earlier of how a person taps into that very high place. Shabbos is an example of it. Humility is an example of it. We gave different examples of how a person taps into that very high place. When a person comes back down, they retain some of that. He says now every single Jew has that oyer hazricha. Ki afilu b'madregois hatachtoinois meir oyer ho'en soif. Because even on the lowest levels, that infinite light of Hashem gets in there. It shines in there. Ki oyeroi ho'en soif enoi nifsak lo'olam. Because Hashem's infinite light never stops. There's nothing that blocks it. There's nothing that can keep it out. It's going everywhere. As is explained in the writings of Yarizal, that even within the most materialistic, physical part of this world that we're living in, the Arizal defines the worlds. And he tells us he, he's just this physical world that we're living in. There's another world. This world is called the Olam Ho'asiya. There's a world above this world, which is the domain of the angels. That's called the Olam Hayetzira. Then there's a world above that, which is called the world of the throne of Hashem, and so on and so forth. And then there's the 
Then there's Atsilus, the Olam Ho'atsilus, which is Miloshin Eitzel, the closest thing to Hashem Kaviochel. That's the world that's closest to Hashem. And then there's above that, there's Oyer there's levels and levels and levels. The Arizal makes a statement, which Rabbi Nosazal quotes here, that even in the Tachlis Ho'asiyah, even in the lowest, lowest places in this physical world, there's a shaft of light that comes from Ein Soif that reaches into there also. So everybody and everything is plugged in, has a connection to that highest place. Rak, Shehu Behelam Godel. It's just that the lower down you go, the more that light is hidden. And it's got hundreds of coverings over it. It's, it's encased in one case and another case and another case. Avol, however, any person who wants to attach himself to Hashem has the opportunity, has the ability to attach himself. The word ledabek means a deep connection from wherever the person is at. As Rabbi Nachman writes in many different places, and it's regarding this that the Pasuk says, fortunate is the person who will not forget Hashem, no matter how far away they are, they will not forget Hashem, and a human being who will be mitametz, he'll push himself, he won't be a slouch, he won't be, he'll force and push himself to attach, to connect to Hashem. Because this takes tremendous perseverance. It takes serious effort sometimes, depending on where the person is, for the person to connect to Hashem. And the more that a person is on a lower level, that person has to push harder. It takes a bigger push for that person to break through the casings, to break through the coverings, to connect to Hashem. Because even in the thickest darkness, spiritual darkness, even in the valley of death, as it's called, a person has the ability to draw upon himself that infinite light of Hashem. How? By closing his eyes, he's in a place of darkness. He's in a place of tuma, a spiritual sewer. If he closes his eyes, and negates himself, he blocks out, he disconnects himself from everything around him, all the physical things around him, and he's connecting to one thing, Hashem. He's reaching out to Hashem with his mind and with his heart. And it's about this that Dovan HaMelech said, Even when I find myself going in the valley of death, I do not fear the evil that's there. Why? Because you, Hashem, are with me. Even down there in the lowest, lowest places of Tumah, I know Hashem is there. And the minute I want to connect, I can connect. It's just, it takes a serious push. It takes forcing myself to detach myself from all the mud and filth and darkness that I'm around, that's around me.
And as the Pasuk says, Gam choyshech lo yamshich mimcho, velaylo kayoim yoyer. And this darkness has no meaning by you, Hashem, in your presence. The darkness is meaningless in a sense. Velaylo kayoim yoyer. And the night is lit up like the day. Darkness and light are the same to Hashem. Hashem has infrared. You know, no problem functioning by night, night goggles and every Hashem has no problem seeing me or allowing me to see him in the worst darkness. And as the Pasuk says in Micha chapter 7, Don't rejoice, my enemy, that you've seen me fall. Ki eish kamti. Because ki nafalti kamti, even though I fell, I'm, gonna, I'm getting up. Ki eishev b'choyshev, because when I find myself sitting in darkness, Hashem oerli, Hashem is a light to me. Rav Nelson is bringing these psukim as complete proof that there's no Jew anywhere in any kind of spiritual darkness that can't connect to Hashem if he wants to. And it doesn't take a hundred years, it takes... This beetle, this is one of the ways to do it. The minute a person has the ability to close his eyes to the shtiot, to the nonsense, to whatever's close his eyes from that for real, that can transport his neshama, that can transport his being above and beyond all of that to connect with Hashem or to reconnect with Hashem. Vahovein heitev lemaisa. The last three words there. Rav Nosenthal says, understand what I'm saying here very clearly for practical purposes. He's not teaching this to teach us hocus-pocus, to teach us Kabbalah. He's teaching us serious tshuva. He's teaching us how a person navigates in this world. That every single Jew in this world goes through ups and downs, times that he feels closer to Hashem, times that he feels further away. And if a person thinks when he's far from Hashem, that it's going to take months and years to get, he's in big trouble. Or if a person thinks, who knows what it's going to take now? But if a person knows this secret, this piece of information, this is something that can change things in minutes sometimes. A person can change his status from being a corpse, a spiritual corpse, he's dead because he fell to such a low place, to coming back to life. I'm alive. Hashem is going through my veins again. And now I'll figure out how to get myself out of here, how to get back. But, but at least I know I'm not where I was before. You know, that kind of thing. Here in this paragraph, he spoke about mitzvah veira. Now he's moving on to another topic. He's going back to the topic of tzitzis that he touched on before. Now he's going to explain it much more clearly. Now, paragraph Yudbeis. Now he's going to explain the topic of wool and linen, which are two of the components in tzitzis. The threads that are used most commonly in making our clothing are wool and linen, as the Gemara says in Menachas, Taflamites. And the basic mitzvah of tzitzis is usually wool and linen. We know that a person is allowed to use a baggage of cotton for people who can't wear wool, it's too heavy, this, that. You can use cotton, etc., etc. But again, the, the basic, the way it's presented in the Gemara and Halacha, it's, it's wool and possibly linen. Because the whole concept of clothing, 
really came into being after the sin of Adam Arishan, after Adam and Chava ate the Eitzadas. Because prior to that, Ksiv, it says, that Adam and Chava were without clothing, and it wasn't a problem. There wasn't any shit. Why? We'll see soon. It's only after the eight Sadas that it says, Vayas Hashem lo Odom ule ishtoi kosnos oir vayalbishem. Hashem made for Odom and Chava garments of leather and Hashem dressed them. Umishom nimshochim kol hamalbushim sheboilam. And that's the origin of all the clothing that we have in the world. Because prior to the Eitz Hadas, Odom and Chava had the ability to connect, to attach themselves to the infinite light of Hashem at all times. Benokel, easily. No, no difficulty. And to be able to draw and receive Hashem's light from the highest place, without any thick clothing, without any physical, materialistic clothing. But rather, they only needed the most delicate spiritual garments to connect with Hashem's light. As the Gemara mentions, that prior to the physical clothing, they had garments of light. The word oyer can be spelled with an aleph or with an ayin. Before the Eitz Hadas, Odom and Chava wore kosnos oyer with an aleph, garments of light. And that was a form of light which was used to help them to be able to receive Hashem's infinite light. But after the Eitz Hadas, ki because prior to the Eitz Hadas, Hashem placed Odom Arishan in Gan Eden. That's the wording in the Chumash. That Odom Arishan should be privileged in Gan Eden to rejoice, to enjoy the splendor of Hashem. Hashem that Odom Rishon had the opportunity to see and to be attached to the splendor, the Noyam Hashem, and to to to, mer- to to become part of Hashem's infinite light, in a manner of going up and coming back down, at all times, there were no no not no by appointment only. The door was open to Odom Rishon all the time without effort, without any struggle. And Odom Arishan had the ability to draw light from Hashem's infinite light through a very pure, high level of spiritual garments. As the Gemara refers to it as garments of light. There was nothing physical. He didn't need any physical Kalim, to receive Hashem's light. Because that was really the main purpose of Odom Arishan being in Gan Eden. At that time, when Hashem put him there, the purpose was for Odom Arishan to bask in Hashem's infinite light. 
and to connect to it, to keep connecting to it higher and higher levels. Kishom misangim al Hashem. Because there in Ganeiden, that's what a person does. A person enjoys connecting with Hashem. Note, interestingly, for a moment, the word that's used here is al Hashem. And this is one of the proofs to what I spoke about earlier. Zoyer Kodesh and Sifrei Kabbalah and Sifrei Chassidus speak about this a lot. That when we talk about the different levels, Kaviochel, by Hashem, the lower level Rachmim, the higher level Rachmim, the Gemara makes a statement, for example, that some of the most important things that a person needs in life, Bone, Chaye, Umezoyne, children, Parnosa, and life, the Gemara says, Lav Bishusa Talyanilsa, those things are not dependent on ordinary merit, Ela Bemazla. They are dependent on Mazla. That's the wording in the Gemara. Many people that hear that Gemara and don't look at the Toysvis or don't, don't look a little deeper think that Mazla means Mazla. You know, it's luck. It's a matter of luck. Whether a person succeeds or fails with kids, with Parnosa. The Gemara makes it perfectly clear Ain Mazla Yisrael. There's no such thing as luck or predestination or astrology for the Jewish people. That doesn't apply to us. Hashem took Avram Avinu, remember, and lifted him above the stars. So the word Mazla there is not the same as the term Mazel, the way people interpret it. The word Mazla there refers to this Rachamim Gedolim, this highest level kindness of Hashem, a, a totally non-standard thing, something that's way, way above the normal channels of Hashem's kindness. And the Zohar Kodesh gives proof. The Zohar Kodesh says, take a look at the psukim that speak about these three things, and you'll see the wording that's used. When the Torah speaks about Parnosa, it says, Hashlech al Hashem yohavcha v'hu yechalkelecha. Place your needs upon Hashem, and Hashem will take care of you. It doesn't say El Hashem. Usually when we say Vayispala, El Hashem. Vayomer El Hashem. Here it says Al Hashem. Al means above. Above Hashem? The Zohar Kodesh says yes. This means above the standard levels of Rachmanis. You're going to that penthouse. You're going to that top floor where you have that Rachmim Gedoylem. So too, when Chana, we just had it on, on Rosh Hashanah, when Chana, who couldn't have children, and when, when she gave her final tefillah to Hashem, it says, Vatispale Chana al Hashem. And the Zohar Kodesh brings proof regarding all of these things that this, we're about Shabbos, when the Torah speaks about Shabbos, Oz Tisanag al Hashem. Then you will rejoice. Upon Hashem, above Hashem, Kaviyochu. Because when we talk about these things which represent extraordinary high spiritual levels, the person is tapping into that level above the standard levels of kindness of Hashem, tapping into the higher level, what's called Rachmim Gedoylem, or here he's calling it Ein Soif, the different terminology that's used. Like the Pesach here, Lisanag Al Hashem, Lachsois Benoyam Hashem. Now, Rav Nosenzal gives us another example of Bitul. We spoke about Shabbos as being an example of Bitul, humility. We spoke about closing your eyes in the dentist's chair. Rav Nosenzal gives us another example. Another place of Bitul is Ganeiden, when a Jew goes up to Ganeiden. Ki Eden, because if you look in the Navi, the way it defines Eden, Eden, Ayin Loiroaso. The Torah says Eden is a place that no eye has ever seen. Meaning, 
that this is beyond the eye. This is, this is beyond what the human eye, what the physical eye can see. Like we said before, the example of closing the eye to be able to see beyond what a person's normal vision can see. Shehu b'chinas That's the beetle that we spoke about earlier. That's what Eden, the Torah defines Eden as Eden ayin lo'eroasar. And from Eden, we draw the light. And the imprint of the light of Eden is felt, is seen in the Gan. Gan Eden. Shehu mokoim zach ma'oi. Gan Eden, it's a, Gan, the Gan is a very spiritual place, a very pure place. Sheshom yecholen lekabel bekalus oyer hazricho shalabitlanau. In the Gan, it's possible for a person to easily connect with that, with the, the remainder, with with whatever we possibly can connect from that light of Eden. Ukemavur besoif hatoyranal, as is explained at the end of the chapter on Ikutimran that this haloch is based on, chapter 65. Shezeh bechinas gan Eden. Rabbi Nachman speaks it about, about it over there when he defines gan Eden. Bechinas Moshe the Aharoin, Ayin Shom. He shows the relationship between Eden and Gan as being the relationship between Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron Akoyin. Ki hagan Eden hu bechinas hasode hagdoisho hamavueres betchilas hatoyranal. Because Gan Eden, which is discussed at the end of that chapter in Likut Imran, Rabbi Nosazal says, is very much connected to what Rabbi Nachman speaks about in the beginning of that chapter in Likut Imran, where he speaks about the Garden of Souls. That's the term that he uses, a field, a special field, because when the Gemara, when the Chumash describes souls, it compares us to a field. The Pesach says, Revova kitsema hasod I have made you plentiful like the vegetation of the field. The Jewish souls are compared to like the blades of grass and the trees in a field. Sheshom gedelen kol There is a spiritual field where all the holy souls are, are kept. V'chulu, etc., which Rabbi Nachman discusses in the beginning of that chapter on the Kutimran. That's related to this concept of bitul that Rabbi Nazal speaks about over there in that chapter. Because Gan Eden is referred to in the Chumash as the field which Hashem has blessed. As the Zohar Kodesh says, this is mentioned, if you recall, when Yaakov Avinu pretends to be Esau in order to receive the brachas from Yitzhak Avinu. Remember, Yitzhak Avinu is about to pass away, and he tells Esau to go out and hunt and bring back food so that I can bless you before I pass away. Rivka tells Yaakov Avinu to dress up in Esau's clothes so that he can get the bracha. He comes in, and he introduces himself, and right away Yaakov Avinu hears that this doesn't sound like Esau talking. This sounds like Yaakov Avinu. Esau doesn't use that kind of respectful terminology. And he says, come here. He says, let me, let me touch you. He wants to touch him to see, is he really Esau? So he touches him, and he feels the clothing that Yaakov is wearing, which, which felt like Esau. <coughs> and he says, Hakol kol Yaakov, And then afterwards he says, Re'ei reach b'ni, kereach hasode asher Hashem. 
I smell an aroma. I smell a smell. When Yaakov came into the room, he smelled the smell like that holy field that Hashem had blessed. What is that talking about? The Zohar Kodesh explains that those garments that Yaakov put on, that Esav had, Esav had just won those garments in a fight with Nimrod. On the day that Avinu passed away, Esav fought it out with Nimrod, who was king of the world at that time, and killed him, and took the garments that Nimrod had, which were the original garments from Odom Arishai, those special garments, which the Torah refers to as Chamudois, the big day HaChamudois. Esav took those garments, and he he kept them. He didn't trust, the the, the Medrash, I think, says, he didn't trust his own wives having this stuff, and that he knew that these were very holy garments. This came from Gan Eden. So he didn't trust his wives, and he kept it in his mother's house. Rivka had those garments locked away. And she's the one who, those garments were like hairy, cosmos fur, like leather and, and, and fur. She's the one who gave, who told Yaakov Avinu to take those garments and put them on when he went into see Yitzchak Avinu. And then when Yitzchak Avinu smells, he says, this smells like Gan Eden. Now how did he know what Gan Eden smells like? Because the Zohar Kodesh says that when Yitzchak Avinu was at the Akedah, and Hashem said, stop, the Malach said, don't, don't kill him. Avram Avinu said, you kidding? And he did something that caused Yitzchak Avinu's soul to go up. The whole story as to why it had to happen, because Yitzchak Avinu couldn't have children at the time. Yitzchak Avinu had a female type. So it's a very delicate topic that's discussed in the Zohar Kodesh. But in any case, Yitzchak Avinu had visited Ganeid and knew what it smelled like. And therefore, when he saw Yaakov Avinu come in wearing these garments, he didn't see, he couldn't see at the time. He smelled the aroma. He said, This smells like that holy field that Hashem blessed. That's the name, the nickname given to Gan Eden, this Soda, which is what Rabbi Nachman discusses in the beginning of this chapter in the Kutumad, where he discusses this field where all the Neshamas are found. We went off on a tangent a little just to, to clarify. Ki iker tikun haneshamoy shebesodehu sheyizku lehikolel ba'oyre ensoif ulisanagal Hashem. Here again, Rav Nosanzal makes this point that the main tikun of all the Jewish souls in that field is that they should be zeichet to plug in, to connect with this infinite light of Hashem ulehisanagal Hashem. And to enjoy Hashem, like to enjoy that that's deep light, that holy light. This is our main goal. This is the main pleasure. When we talk about the pleasure of Olam Haba, the main pleasure is going to be this deep connection with Hashem on a level that we can't imagine now in this materialistic world. This is the pleasure of Gan Eden. Shehu Oilam Haneshamois. Gan Eden is referred to as the world of the souls. Umetchilo Koidemachet. In the beginning, before Odom and Chava committed the sin with the Eitz Hadas, Hoyoyochel Liskois Lazeb, Bechaim Chiusoi. Odom Rishon had the ability to experience this, to be in Gan Eden, and to connect with Hashem on the highest levels while he was physically living. There was no need for death. That's why Hashem placed Odom Rishon in Gan Eden, 
Ulashamra. That's the wording in the Chumash. La'avda Ulashamra. And now Rav Nosanzal defines that. The Zohar Kodesh says, La'avda bepikudin dasei. Ulashamra bepikudin deloisasei. Avoda means the positive commandments. Shmira means negative commandments. Just like we have Zohar and Shomer in the Ten Commandments about Shabbos. Zohar as Yom HaShabbos refers to the positive commandments. Shomer refers to the negative. So when it says that Hashem put Adam and Chava in Gan Eden, La'avda Ulashamra, it means for them to fulfill all the positives and negatives. Da'hainu shoyatzorich rak lekayim all that Adam Arishan needed to do there was to fulfill, to observe the Torah, the positive and negative. By doing that, he would have been able to plug into the highest level of Hashem. And to draw that light, Without any physical garments at all, without any physical kalim whatsoever. Just the garments of light that Adam was given at that time, that would have been enough to allow him to be able to receive the highest, highest levels of Hashem's light and to connect with Hashem in the highest way. Ach, however, as a result of Adam and Chava eating from the Eitz Hadas, the Pasuk says in Tehillim, Odom Bikor Bal Yolid. Hashem did not allow him to spend the night in Gan Eden. He was evicted. Venezgaresh mi Gan Eden. They were exiled from Gan Eden. And then the Pasuk says, Vayosem Hashem es hakruvim veslat hacherav hamesapeches lishmoir es derech eitz hachayim. Hashem set up all kinds of guards and alarms to block, to make it impossible for anyone to get to Gan Eden just like that anymore. Shehein Bechinas Neturei Tara. They are the guards of the gates. This Lahat Achev Ramesapechas, these Kruvim. Shehein Manichen Lichloel Bekalus Ba'oyer Ho'ein They do not allow a person any longer to, to connect easily to this infinite light of Hashem, to this high light of Hashem. Sheshom Iker Hachayim Nitzchiyim, because that's where eternal life is. Eternal life is when a person connects to Hashem on that super high level. So that's no longer available easily. Because these negative forces confuse the person, they mess up the person with all kinds of confusion. Which come from these barriers that Hashem set up, these barriers and boundaries to block us from having easy access to that Oyrein Soif, like Odom had, Odom Rishon had before the Yitzhadas. And once Hashem set up these barriers, now it takes major effort before a person is able to connect to that very high level. And it's impossible for a human being to be able to receive any of that light, to take any of that light onto himself without many garments and constrictions. Now the person has to have garments of leather, oil with an iron, 
physical garments, Shemehem Nishtalshilu Venishavu Halavushim Gashmim. It's from those cosmos oil that Hashem put on Adam and Chava after the Eitzhadas, that's what resulted in the whole need for human beings to wear clothing. The whole fashion industry and the whole clothing industry that we have in this world originated from that episode as a result of Adam and Chava eating from the Eitzhadas. Vehem Iker Hatikun. And these garments... These garments, these, this clothing that a person wears, they are the main tikkun. Ki tikkun halavushim, shum oyer Because now, after the Eitz Hadas, all the Sforim tell us that it is impossible for a human being to be able to receive any light from Hashem without garments. It has to be shielded. It has to be covered. We can't connect to the obvious, open, bright, super, super bright light of Hashem anymore. V'alkein ha-sitra achra v'ha-klipois kruchim b'yoyser achar ha-malbushim. And it's for this reason that the Tumah, the Sahara, goes after clothing more than anything else. They attack the clothing of a person more than anything. Just like it says by Yosef HaTzadik, if you remember when Potiphar's wife tried to do everything she could to convince him, when she couldn't, when he started, it says, She grabbed him by his garments. And all the Sifrei Musta bring that this shows that this is where the Sahara attacks a person the most, especially women. The whole mitzvah of Tzniyus, the whole concept of the, the difference between the purity and goodness of a Jewish woman versus the opposite. Is, is related to the clothing and even the man, as we'll see. Kemoishom Razal, as the Gemara says in Brochus, Hani Mani the Rabonon, the Bolu, the garments of Tamidi Chachamim, which become worn out when we see a Talmud Chacham wearing garments and on the edges it's frayed, it's worn out. Minaihu. That comes from them, from the Sitrachra, from the Klippas. They try to attack, they can't attack a Talmud Chacham. They attack his clothing. They try to attack the clothing. And this is reflected in the wear and tear, in a sense, of the unusual wear and tear. It's because of the fact that it's only through clothing, through garments, through kalim, that we can receive light in the world now. That's why the Sahara is very, very much attached to that. They go after the clothing. Because on a spiritual level, the world has changed from the time that Odom and Chava ate from the Eitz It's no longer to connect directly with the light, but rather on a spiritual level that requires garments. Therefore, on a Gashmius level, the Sotom, the Eitzahara, goes after the, the clothing more than anything because the physical is always a reflection of the spiritual. It's always, there's always a connection between the two. The Gemara says, Malchus ken Malchus The kingdom on earth, how things operate down here on earth, are a reflection of what's going on up there. So if on spiritual levels, there's light and garments, and at one point there was no need for garments, but as a result of the Chet Eitzadas, the garments are critical. And without the garments, you can't function, you can't do anything. 
so too down here on earth, the garments play a very, very important role in defining holy, unholy, good, bad, all kinds of stuff. And this is why we see in the real world that what, what spins people's heads and what, what, what controls the spirituality of the world is this fashion industry, fashion, clothing, garments, everything is on that. The clothing is either delivered, the clothing can deliver any kind of message from A to Z, the full spectrum, from the most religious to the most to the opposite, the most seductive, the most, all kinds of stuff, you know, used to, to, to take a person to the worst places. Because the forces of Tuma, the Eight Sahara, the Sitrachra, are always working and going after to try to spoil, to mess up the Tikkun upon which is dependent our connection to Hashem. Because they know that our connection to Hashem in this world now is dependent on Levushim, they know that that's their secret. If they can, if they can capture that, if they can control the kind of clothing that the person is going to wear or not wear, they're going to control how much the person is connected or disconnected from Hashem. And Rav Nosazal brings this in other places that very often when a person makes a decision to come close to Hashem or to move away from Hashem, usually one of the first things that you'll see it reflected in is the clothing. All kinds of shapes and forms. Small yarmulke, big yarmulke, all shorter skirt, all the different 36 by 360,000 flavors of this. The gum, that's one reason. That's one reason. Because he recognizes that the tick, that we are dependent on clothing. That the only way to be able to receive the light now is through garments. Therefore, they go after the garments. That's one reason. A second reason is the gam ki halavushim smuchim alehem. Another reason why the tuma, these yetzahara, goes after the garments is because that's closer to the person, that's closer to the Yetzirah than the person himself. Ki halavushim heim adam. Because the clothing are outside of the person. If the sultan wants to go into a person's heart or something like that, he's going to climb inside the person. But the clothing is on the outside. That's the easiest access. Veheim bebechinas chashmal shesomuch lebechinas noiga kriyadua. Now he's touching on the writings of the Arizal here, and he's telling us, the Arizal says, that we, we have in the prophet Yechezkel, in the beginning of another Yechezkel, it uses this terminology, a certain light of chashmal and, and a klipas noiga, it uses this terminology. The term noiga means twilight. Noiga is like gray, it's a combination of light and darkness. When we talk about holiness, Holiness is referred to as light. Chashmal is a term that's used to refer to a certain light. Today we use the, in modern Hebrew, the word chashmal means electricity. In the Torah, chashmal refers to a certain very high level of spiritual light. And it's brought that the word chashmal is bigimatria malbush, or lovesh. I'm going to take a look for a second. 378. 378. The word lavush. Lamed beiz vav shin. Levush is bigimatria chashmal. And the Arizal says, Shesomuch lebechinas noiga kriyadua. 
And the Arizal, the Sifrei Kabbalah, show that this light, uh, this light called Chashma, which is Levush, is very close to Noiga. Noiga is gray. Gray is twice, good and bad, light and darkness mixed together. So again, he's showing us how the clothing are most vulnerable, vulnerable and susceptible to the other side. When they want to attack a Jew, they can't attack his neshama. They can't, the first thing they attack, person says, what's the, what's the big deal if I wear this kind of clothes and this kind of clothes? I'm not changing anything. I'm still just as religious as I was before. And the person doesn't realize. They don't know what's going on. They don't know the deep, deep connection on a spiritual level between the physical clothing and the spiritual levushim, you know, to, to connect with Hashem's light. Ki halavushim heim hamafsikim bein hakedusha ubein haklipa. Because the clothing is the boundary line. That's the wall. That's the barrier that separates between holiness and unholiness. Klipa. Alkein heim kruchim achreim. So this is another reason why the forces of the Sitra Achra try to attack the clothing, the garments. They know it's, it's like hitting a person below the belt. It's hitting a person where they're most vulnerable, where it's easier to get the person there. And he knows once he gets him there, he has easier access to go further. For this reason, a Jew has to, has to watch his clothing, has to watch over the clothing in a very serious way. The Gemara says, a Talmud Chacham, who goes out in the street with a certain kind of stain on his garment is Chayev Misa. Because he's a Talmud Chacham, he has to he has to give a, a, a good appear, the right kind of appearance, and 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 Chas Veshon, uh, and, and torn clothing. We know that a torn garment is something a, a tremendous line that a Jew is not allowed to cross. <clears throat> but torn garment represents Avelus, you know, Chas Shalom passing away. And we see that today we've reached new highs or new lows. There's stores where they sell special. You pay more. For a regular pair of pants, you pay $30, $40. To get the pants that have been ripped, the ripped pair, it's $45. For, for the ripped pair, or the pair that's been bleached, you know, to look, it shouldn't look new. It shouldn't look normal. It should look a little abnormal. This is, this is all based on what we learned, tied into what we're learning here. And this is the concept of why a Jew puts on tzitzis. Tzitzis is the spiritual tikkun for all the clothing that the person wears. That's what enables a person, that's what allows the person to be able to receive the light that's coming from that reshimu, from that residue of the beetle that we mentioned earlier. This is all introduction. Rav Nosanal started off about wool and linen. He built this whole introduction, and now he's going to take us into the topic of, now he's going to define what wool is, what linen is, and understand how they play such an important role in the midst of tzitzis.